it's Neurodiversity Celebration Week, so this week's episode is going to be all about autism. Hi, welcome to Life at Your Own Will podcast. I'm your host, Will Venus, and like I said just a second ago, or was it a millisecond, we're going to be talking about autism today. So what is autism? Well, according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual 5th Edition, DSM-5, that is the assessment process that is used in the UK, it is defined as persistent difficulties with social communication and social interaction and, quote, restricted and repetitive patterns of behaviour, behaviours, activities or interests. This includes sensory behaviour and it has to be present since early childhood. So, like I've said before, autism is something that you're born with, it's not something that you develop. And since it's Neurodiversity Celebration Week, neurodiversity is not just confined to autism, it's confined to other conditions such as ADHD, epilepsy, Tourette's, and yeah, there's many other things that are under the uni- under the neurodiversity umbrella. So I thought for this episode I would talk you through my experience of being an autistic person. So yeah, it's going to be one of those things where, yes, it all started in my childhood, which it did. One of my very earliest memories that I can remember yeah, repeating myself, repetition, sorry. <laughs> um, I think I was about four years old and I was in my first primary school because I was one of the people that you could, in the UK, you can either go to primary school when you are four or five and I was four years old. And one of my very earliest memories is being in the playground on my own. By the way, this isn't a woe is me episode. I'm just telling you my history as it is. Um, I don't need pity. Thank you very much. Yeah, one of my earliest memories has been sat in the mud, the dry mud. I seem to remember these details very clearly. And I was digging for worms. For why? I don't know. Yeah. And I always had this thing, and I can remember having various conversations conversations with my mum, and I always had to have either one friend or none. I couldn't do a group of friends because I couldn't do the social interaction with many people. I still can't do the social interaction with many people because it's quite daunting for me, as it is for many other autistic people. And before I proceed, actually, I want to say one person's autistic experience won't be the same as the next person's autistic experience. You won't find any two autistic people that are exactly the same. Yeah. So then as I started to get older and become a bit more familiar with the world, I would have these, I mean, these aren't odd to me because my life is completely normal to me, but it could be perceived from other people as odd. I would find these quote unquote odd interests. I had an obsession, an obsession with vertical blinds. And so if me and my mum were vis- and my siblings were visiting someone else's house, because we didn't have vertical blinds, I would have to play with the blinds. I would have to open and shut them fully, touch them, look at the colours, everything, look at the beads and the weights that held them at the bottom and everything. <laughs> so I w- it was either that or doors and keys and locks. I had an obsession with those. And if I had like a cabinet to sit and play with where I could open and shut the door for hours on end and lock it, I would do that. And I can, I can remember being in my granddad's attic and he had this cabinet and it had a door on it. It was like, I 
it, to me it was like a secret compartment where you could hide things well at least it was in my imagination and I was given a key and I just sat and played with this cabinet for hours on end so there was that one and still to this day and I do not know why I mean I don't know why I'm so obsessed with all these things that I'm telling you about but I still to this day have an obsession with expeller extractor fans specifically <laughs> yeah very odd uh, specifically the models that were made in the 80s and 90s and the six inch in diameter extractor fans I don't know why this is so if someone could explain it to me please <laughs> please get in touch I would love to have an explanation for this and it had to be the one with the pull cord yeah, not one with the, just a switch and it goes on. It had to be one with the pull cord that turned it on and off. And I can remember going to my grand's house and saying, how's the extractor fan? Yeah, I know, odd. But, you know, I wasn't hurting anyone. And it was like my own form of weird entertainment. And if you are one of the weirdos in life, then this is definitely the podcast for you. Give it a follow, please. <laughs> Help me get this podcast off the ground. Yeah, so that was... That period of my life was maybe between the age of five and 11. And so I was quite settled in primary school. You know, that, you know, like that period in time before the world completely ruins you. Yeah, you know what I mean? So in essence, like your innocence before it's taken from you. And then came high school, or as we call it in Scotland, secondary school. Oh my goodness. I didn't do well. Of course I didn't do well. Back then I didn't know I was an autistic kid. And I'm not sure that back 20 years ago that would have been a lot of support for autistic kids anyway. I can't seem to recall there being any autistic kids in my school, either in my year or above or below. And of course when you go to primary school there's a lot more volume of people. And from what I can remember, I. I mean, I still can't do it. Crowds of people, I don't like it. All these different voices, all these different tones, all these different smells. I don't know where to situate myself. I don't know how to react to things. And I'm looking at people and they're expecting a reaction from me. And I'm like, what is it you want me to say? Bullied a lot in school. Uh, by the way, this isn't a woe is me episode. I, I don't need pity, but if you want to empathise or sympathise, that's very kind, but... I'm just saying I, I don't do the, the whole pity thing very well. Then as I progressed into my teenage years and uh, my 20s, I started to figure that I had a lot of, of what I know now anyway, but back then I didn't know it, a lot of sensory issues and I had such a bad time with this burden called anxiety. Yeah, and I still have it to this day and I do a lot of work to try and keep that at bay to keep the adrenaline and cortisol levels down because they're like my enemy. I know you need it in some cases, but for the majority of your life, you don't need adrenaline and cortisol. So with the anxiety, and I did suffer with depression as well, I did do a lot of self-medicating, and that was with alcohol. Now, I'm not saying that all autistic people turn to addictions to try and Medic self-medicate themselves, no, not at all, but that, that was my way of coping. And like I said, I didn't know I was autistic, so. And so then we bring it to a more 
recent time, and it was around two, three years ago. Um, my husband he was going through his autistic assessment because there was a lot of a lot of talk about because I mean, he struggles with different aspects of life. I mean, where he excels, I don't, and vice versa. And so he was going through his assessment, and that involved a lot of talking, and it involved a lot of talking of him on his own, um, with people that were close to him on their own, then all of us together. And it was while at one of these meetings, the, I don't, I'm not sure what you call him, maybe the the specialist, the assessor, the the autistic assessor, whatever you call him, he was a very perceptive man. He seems to notice everything. And he noticed that I, I mean, I wasn't aware of this. He noticed that I did a lot of like tapping at my feet and like clicking of my nails and things and various other things that I was just unconsciously doing. And at one of these meetings, he said to me, you know, well, you're displaying a lot of autistic traits. And I'm like, eh? Because up to this point in my life, in my 30s, there was no mention of autism. Nothing at all. I just thought I was this weirdo who no one could relate to and who had a completely unique <laughs> experience and outlook on life. And then it got me thinking, oh, could this struggle that I've had my whole life be due to autism? Could it be? And then after that that meeting, me and my husband discussed it, and he's the kind of person that doesn't really bring up a topic in conversation unless someone else brings it up because he's quite kind like that and he doesn't like to offend or upset anyone. And I left it about a year, and at, you know this was after he got his official stamp that yeah you're a brand new autistic person, and I thought maybe this could explain some of my experiences in life of why I felt so different, why I felt completely different to the the rest of the world because I didn't know any other autistic people. And so because of waiting lists and things, and also you would think, I mean, I'm based in Edinburgh, you would think that with it being the capital of the country, that they would have a lot of resources in the NHS for autistic people. No. The NHS in Edinburgh, because it's a bit like a postcode lottery, wherever you are, they don't have any actual specific resources for autistic people in Edinburgh. Can you believe that? Yeah, so both me and my husband's assessments, they had to be done by this charity, and they are a fantastic charity. I'm not in any way affiliated to them, and they are called Number Six, and they are part of Autism Initiatives, and they are very, they're very centric to the autistic person, and they are, they get autistic people involved with a lot of the running of the charity, not like some other charities who are run by completely neurotypical people. If you don't know what I mean by that, neurotypical people are people who are not autistic or ADHD, etc. And this, this charity, they are really incredible. And I really hope one day to be able to 
do some fundraising for them if I become a very famous podcaster and YouTuber. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, I am also a YouTuber as well as a podcaster. Uh, the link to my channel will be in the show notes. Yeah, I know, shameless plug. Yeah, so a bit of a tangent there, which is a classic trait of autism and possibly ADHD. I'm in the process of going through, well, waiting for an ADHD assessment, but that could take quite a while. Uh, yeah, going on an, <laughs> an even bigger tangent there. When I went to my GP to get the ball rolling on the ADHD assessment, uh, she said to me, because there's been such awareness raised about ADHD in social media recently, I mean, this is my personal experience. Again, it's very much a postcode lottery, depending on where you are in the country and the world, in fact. And she said to me, well, we're only really putting people forward for ADHD assessments who are maybe spiralling out of control or, in, you know, getting in trouble with the police. Yeah, that is how bad it is here. And I feel so powerless that I'm not able to do anything about that. I mean, yes, I understand that the NHS are struggling, but I have very strong views on the NHS and what the government has done to it in the past few years, if you think about it. I understand that there's other conditions that are life-threatening and things, but that doesn't mean to say that people start gatekeeping who gets help that's something that I really really struggle with and because I really want to pursue this because I don't like anything in life that holds me back yeah I like to understand fully what I'm about I like to live a fully enriched life and if there's something that's holding me back I want to find out why that is and so I find it really painful almost that people will be turned away from getting their assessments because they're not quote-unquote bad enough? Don't you think that's completely unfair and shocking? I do. And so while I was chatting to the doctor, I because I'm not always the best at expressing how I feel and because autistic people were often mis completely misunderstood because we don't put the emphasis on things strongly enough or we don't use the right words because in my experience I just tell people information and they do with that what they will but as, as I'm as I'm telling this GP these things I'm really having to work uh, trying to emphasize these things I'm like am I using the right words am I using the right emphasis is the doctor understanding me are they fully engaged with what I'm saying, you, you know? So yeah, that bit of the tangent is over. So getting back to the autism thing. Uh, oh dear, that, yeah, that's another thing. When you use certain words on social media, people get really hit up about it because I'm the kind of person that doesn't blast things in people's faces. You know, I'm not what I call like one of these militant advocates. Uh, or, you know, like, some of these really self-entitled advocates who are like, you didn't use the right term, you didn't use the right word, that is so shocking, you need to be cancelled. I am not one of those kind of people, because to me that's a bit like aggression, and I don't like aggression. That's partly why I've called this podcast Life at Your Own Will, 
doing things at your own will, at your own choice. And so I went through the same process as my husband, a lot of talking and uh, a lot of introspection. And then after it had all been completed, I mean, this was, this took about, actually, I can't even remember how long it took, but it, it was months, put it that way, it was months, lots of talking. And there was lots of delays and things because we were still going, well, coming out of the pandemic and things. And there was lots of delays, which was quite frustrating for me because I'm just the kind of person that needs to know. I don't like not knowing things. I like to have the answer. No, I don't like to know the answer for things. I need the answer for things. And all the while I was waiting for this confirmation, I'm saying to my husband and my friends and things, well, if it isn't autism, what is this thing that makes me feel so different to the average other person? What could it be? And I was sending emails back and forth to the charity and they were probably thinking, for goodness sake, why can't they just wait for the answer? But now, now that I'm a bit kinder to myself and thinking, well, there will be a lot of other people in this situation. They will understand what I'm going through because a lot of people that are the assessors and things at this place, they're autistic themselves. So they will have that genuine empathy. And so there was a waiting and a waiting and a waiting. And I had the choice of either going in to either get the confirmation or the, whatever the opposite word is, or doing it remotely, you know, on video. And I said, well, what's going to be quicker? <laughs> and they said, well, we'll, ju we'll just video call you. And someone from the, the charity video called me and they said, well, yes, we can confirm that you are autistic. And from that moment on, it's been one of the most enlightening, liberating, insightful things I've ever done. And I i mean, I would say to anyone, if you suspect that you're autistic, just have, have the chat with your GP. They'll get you to fill out a form. It's like a preliminary questionnaire, and then they'll refer you to whatever department in the NHS and if needs to be a charity like me. Um, that That's another thing that irks me a bit. In Edinburgh, when when you're going about, you know, for like these, these diagnostic things, it's forwarded to the mental health team and it irks me because autism on its own, it's not a mental health condition. So why can't they have their own dedicated neurodiversity teams that's something that bugs me because yeah autism it's not a mental health condition it's a it's a neurological thing it's a different brain type it's a different way of thinking it's a different way of life really yeah sorry another tangent uh you'll find that quite a, a regular theme here at this podcast <laughs> um yeah and then, then after that moment i started to read up about autism. I started listening to other people's experiences, uh, you know, watching autistic YouTubers. I didn't listen to a lot of podcasts because I'm, I'm like a visual person. I like to see and hear. I mean, I do like to listen to podcasts. I mean, I am one of the best podcasters that there is currently, <laughs> although that's not reflected in the charts. Can you imagine if I made the, the podcasting charts? That would be incredible. But I think I've had enough moderate fame this year because I've been on the BBC News. Link will be in the show notes of how I became a wig maker. I know another shameless plug. But yeah, 
started getting to know other autistic people and it is so we are all so completely different we all have our own completely different views are completely different ways of life are completely different ways of thinking and I mean although we are entirely different we all I mean from what I've seen a lot of autistic people seem to be very creative very artistic very articulate actually I mean I myself am a very creative person because I create lots of things I'm a podcaster I'm a youtuber so I create and I edit videos I'm a wig maker. That's a really creative thing. And that takes a lot of empathy. And there's something that I would like to dispel for you. I don't know why, but for some reason in the mainstream media, autistic people are perceived as they lack empathy. It couldn't be more wrong than that. Honestly, autistic people are some of the most empathic people you could ever meet. And, I mean, the only reason I can think of that people who are autistic who are perceived as lacking empathy, when I hear something that's completely shocking or when I hear of someone that's in any kind of pain, you know, emotional pain, physical pain, uh, spiritual pain, whatever, I'm just so completely shocked for that person of how much they're hurting, I don't know what to say. And that I'm... I'm frightened that I'm going to exacerbate their pain, almost. And I mean, that's the only reason I can think of that autistic people are perceived as lacking empathy. But, yeah, autistic people, we have feelings, yeah? We're not robots. We're not psychopaths. Well, I mean, you, of course, you might have the odd psychopath that is autistic. I'm hearing that a lot, actually, when I watch true crime, that a lot of people who are serial killers and psychopaths, they are on the autistic spectrum and it's kind of scary. Because, yeah, I mean, the majority of autistic people, we're not, we don't kill people, we don't harm things, quite the opposite. Yeah, there's a the thing. Um, sometimes people ask me, oh, what does it feel like to be autistic? And I'm like, well, what does it feel like to be human? What kind of a question is that? What does it feel like to be autistic? I'm like, yeah, it's great. I live with my head in the clouds. Yeah, brilliant. I'm completely naive. And uh, I lack empathy. What? what is that? How do you respond to that? Hmm? Yeah, that, that that's something that annoys me. One of my pet peeves. And also people often ask me, you know, you're very open, Will. Where does that come from? You're very accepting of who and what you are. I don't know any other way to live life. I, I, I really don't. I mean, I completely embrace all of my quote-unquote eccentricities. I I wish more people were like that. I'm like, well, why can't you just show and be your true self? Is it because you're worried about what society might think? Why? I mean, society and people in general... Yeah, everyone has opinions, but opinions don't equate to facts. And then, then I've got to remember, I other people can't do that. Other people aren't like you, Will. And that, that really upsets me. I'm like, well, why can't you just be yourself? Just be yourself and 
I mean, unless you want to portray a character for your whole life, I mean, you do you. Great. If you want to do that, that's great. If you want to live out some sort of fantasy, that's great. I mean, I was having a chat with someone that I know the other day and they are just so frightened to be themselves because they're worried about what other people think and they're worried about what their friends and family will think. And I'm like, look, we only have a very fine, finite, very finite amount of time on this this planet. Why the hell should you care about what people think? Hmm? I mean, this per this person was almost petrified. And I'm like, well, if your friends don't take... I mean, if you decide to go for a, a diagnosis, if your friends don't take this in a positive light or they're not supportive of you, then they're not friends. They're not. Why chase relationships that don't support you or that don't uplift you or that don't cheerlead you or that don't celebrate you? Why Why would you want to be friends with someone like that? And if that means cutting off relationships, that's good. Because the more positivity that you have around you, the more enriched your life will be. I keep saying that and I feel like I'm a broken record. I mean, whether you're autistic, ADHD or otherwise, you need to be surrounding yourself with positive people. And that doesn't mean to say that you all sit around holding hands and saying, nah, I mean, if you want to, knock yourself out. But... Yeah, if people don't take lightly to your your diagnosis, then that's something that they're that the other person is going to have to work on. It's not you, honestly. It truly is not you. It's them. I mean, what, what's what? <laughs> I'm sitting here tapping my head for just to give you a visual. I'm sitting here tapping my head, thinking, what is wrong with society? Why? Why do they see autism as? a hindrance or a burden. It's nothing like that at all. It's simply a different brain type. I mean, yeah, there's a little bit more complication to it, but when you boil it down, it's, it's a different brain type. It's a different way of thinking. What's the, what's the problem? What's the issue? And I just wish for the future that there was more representation in the mainstream media or in film or in TV or in theatre or... I mean, there's a lot of it in social media. That's fantastic. It's fantastic that we have lots of autistic people and neurodiverse people in social media. But why don't we have it in the mainstream media? Why is that? We only have, like, a few extreme examples of what it's like to be autistic, like Rain Man or something, or people say, oh, you're autistic. That must, that must mean you're really brainy. You're really intelligent. Yeah, you might be really intelligent and autistic, but you might not be, quote-unquote, intelligent I mean intelligence is based on really archaic assessments and grades and things there's different versions of what being intelligent means I mean you could be int very intelligent because you're very well read or you could yeah you could well be academically intelligent or you could be very emotionally intelligent you can be artistically intelligent you can be spiritually intelligent. There's so many different versions of what intelligence means. But yeah, I just wish that there was more representation of autistic people in the mainstream media, because I can't... I mean, I, I don't really watch films, but I used to watch a lot of TV. I've not watched TV... I mean, I used to watch TV all the time, morning till night. 
I've not watched it in three years because of the pandemic, because everything is just too traumatising. So I've not watched it. And, of course, that filtered into things like soap operas, which used to be my thing. There's another of my artistic interest. I love Coronation Street. I know everything about it from the 60s to the present day. Yeah, I know. Tangent central here. Uh, but why isn't why isn't there more autistic people on telly? I don't understand that. And just getting on to a little bit of advice that I would like to give you. I mean, if you're a friend or family or chosen family member of someone that's going through the, the assessment protest, protest no they're not protesting not the protest the assessment process and you know they're coming to you and they're saying i'm really nervous about this i'm you know i've got concerns just listen yeah just listen when i mean in my experience when autistic people don't feel heard or acknowledged that is it really pisses you off because you're like you're not listening to me you're not acknowledging what i'm saying you're not paying full attention just listen yeah just listen and then if you don't know the answer to something just say that rather than say nothing at all just say I, I'm sorry I don't have the answer to that but we can figure it out somehow we'll find a way and if you are autistic and you're and you, well, sorry and you're listening to this what are your special interests I want to know I genuinely love getting to know what people's autistic special interests are, or their hyper-focus, as it's known technically. I've shared some of mine with you. So if you could share yours with me, that would be fantastic. So you can email me, the email's in the show notes, or you can leave me a comment on Instagram under the post that I'll do for this podcast. I would love to know. I would really love to know. Or even if you're not autistic and you've got an odd, quote-unquote, odd interest, let me know. Because I find people's autistic special interests absolutely fascinating. They are genuinely, they're one of my sparks of joy. That's what I call, like, the things that bring me joy in life, sparks of joy. And the other thing that I really enjoy in life is seeing people being their true, genuine self. With, you know, all their idiosyncrasies and everything, I love to see it. You know, people getting really geeky, getting really goofy, getting really... Just being at one with their natural, neurodiverse self. So I would love it if you could get in touch. And also, just wrapping up this podcast, I really hope you've enjoyed listening to it. I hope it's been helpful to someone. If it has, I'd be so grateful if you could leave me a little review. It doesn't have to be a huge paragraph, but if you could leave me five stars, that would be fabulous. And yeah, just write a sentence or something, or if you don't really want to leave an emoji or something that would really really help me push this podcast and get it out there to people because I'm gonna need all the help I can get to get this podcast off the ground I know I'm three episodes in but honestly like the Tesco phrase says every little helps other supermarkets are available <laughs> always wanted to say that on a podcast <laughs> well that has been episode three of season one, or series one, if you're from the UK. We, often, we usually use ser the word series and not season. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this. Please take good care of yourself, and remember to do lots of self-care. And I will leave you with this bit of nonsensical advice, because I love to spew out what's ever in my brain. The pillow that loves cardboard doesn't fly very well. <laughs> 
Have a great week, everyone. I will see you at the same time, same place next week. Take care. Bye.